Hello everyone and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is Liam and I'm joined by my two co-hosts George. Hello there. And Grant. Hello there, music fans. Each episode of Flawless, one of the hosts or a guest nominates an album that they think is flawless and we talk about why they love it, what they love about it, and at the end we decide if we agree that it's flawless. We have a Facebook group, it's called Flawless Friends and Family and we'd love for you to join the conversation. You can find us at facebook.com slash group slash Flawless Friends and Family. And we also have a Patreon. You can back us from as little as $1 a month. And no matter how much you back us for, you'll get access to our special bonus episodes. You can find us at patreon.com slash flawlessamp. And deep breath. We also have a regular Clubhouse music live chat where we chat about episodes of the podcast and all things flawless music. We are on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Have a search on Clubhouse for Australian music industry and you will find us. Yeah, there's a lot. We, what do, we do too many things. Deep breath. Links to all of that in the show notes. So today we have a guest. Yes. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Bianca. I refer to myself as an interdisciplinary arts worker. So I have played in loads of bands. I am a zine maker. I've organized all sorts of music and arts events, including stuff for Melbourne Music Week. I've taught all sorts of music or zine-related youth workshops. I've worked at a record label, management company, and I currently sing and play drums in a band called Rival Territory, which just released our first EP last month. Goodness nice. me. Wow. So somebody's overqualified. <laughs> yes. for okay. Overachiever. Yeah, goodness me. That's sure. very exciting. So that's awesome. <laughs> cool. so, so, Bianca. Uh, one also important fact is you have indeed listened to Flawless, a uh, music yes. podcast. I call myself a self-described Flawless superfan. Superfan. Nice. Yes, I was going to ask you if you thought you were a superfan. Yeah. I, I do think I am. Okay, good. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. That's awesome. So I'm a little bit excited to be here today. Yay! <laughs> well, wow. you're in a safe space now. <laughs> yeah, 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 you are. Yeah, oh, the mean street to Brisbane. <laughs> Yeah, you're in, okay. the, you're in the hub. You're in the center hub of it. So, cool. yeah. Would you like to tell us what album you are nominating today? All right. I have picked Patti Smith's debut album from 1975 called Horses. Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. Milton had thieves, wild cord. A my sleeve Thick Heart of stone My sins my own They belong to me Me People say beware But I don't care Awesome. Nice. Going to school. Yeah, like 1975. So this is, I mean, wow. How do you find an album from 1975? Because it's way before your time. I would have suggested that. And yes. So how? I was actually trying to think how I did come across this album. I think Patti Smith is just one of those people who's had influences on a little bit of everybody. And being somebody who really enjoys girl punk, she was a natural kind of forerunner for the girl punk movement. So mm -hmm. I think she just sort of appeared in my life and insidiously worked her way in. Nice. Cool. 
So this album specifically, do you remember when you first heard it or when you first found out about it? No, I don't. I wish I did, though. <laughs> it's just been I suspect it was a grower, there. actually. Yeah? Yeah. A grower. Cool. Definitely. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, Horses is the debut studio album for Patti Smith. It was released on November 10, 1975 on Arista Records. And Arista Records also had bands like Air Supply, The Kinks, Lou Reed, um, and Dianne Warwick, and Aretha Franklin. Mm-hmm. Like, and epic. Yes, mm. and it was produced by John Cale. And John Cale is from the Velvet Underground, mm-hmm. and he's Welsh, so I'm British, so I like to claim yeah. anyone who's British. <laughs> and, and, the, and the Welsh love being under, under, under the flag. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like the one part of the UK and Ireland I'm not a part of is Wales, but never mind. But mm. I'm going to claim John Cale. Sure. Nice. So, yeah. Um, Liam. Yes. Had you heard this album before? I had not heard this album before. I knew of Patti Smith, of course, and I've known her... I'm, been around the place forever she's always been a bit of an icon but i hadn't actually sat down and listened to any of her albums so this was definitely a first for me oh was yeah good had you heard patty smith have i horses? heard do you think i'd heard patty smith before? i think you'd heard definitely heard her and definitely heard this album uh i think you might be right yeah. <laughs> um yeah i think i've definitely heard um uh, i've definitely heard patty smith i've definitely had it was um it should be talked about girl punk um the, there are musicians and bands alive today that wouldn't exist that if this album hadn't been created, mm-hmm. like bands that I listen to. So I think that um, it's really important. So um, when I was younger, I um, I think I talked in a previous episode about when I was in like IRC chat rooms and things like that, and I put my name down as Riot Girl um, and someone called me out going, you're not a Riot Girl, you're too young um, and was like, have you even heard of and would like list people and I'm like, no. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, Patty Smith was one of them uh, saying like one of the pinnacles of like gender queer non-binary um, punk and like pinnacle for the Riot Girl movement and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, so I'll go and listen to it then. Thank yeah. you, Soul Seek. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, so I ended up downloading um, Patty Smith amongst so many other things that I never actually gave it much attention. Mm-hmm. So I think I probably sat down and listened to it and went, oh, yeah, now I know Patty Smith. Move on, next. And I just kind of like went through like a catalogue of stuff that influenced the things that I like now mm-hmm. um, or like then. Um, so, yeah, I've definitely heard the album. Um, but I probably couldn't have picked some of the songs from mm. it. So it wasn't one that your parents had? Because often your parents yes. had records, vinyl stuff that you listened to. No, I maybe. was thinking about that. But um, because I was like, even so I downloaded this when it was very illegal to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, um, As opposed to now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I can stream it. Yeah, true. Mm. So I can stream it now. Still legal can... to download. But yeah, yes. so it's totally <laughs> easy to okay. access. Fine. So, um, so because of that, uh, I never saw the album artwork mm-hmm. because I downloaded the music only, and I didn't have enough space on my hard drive to also download the artwork. So I'd never download the artwork. So, um, when I actually got into it, like years later, um, I saw the artwork, and I was like, I don't recognize it. So, um, sure. she stood in a very androgynous way in like a like a shirt and trousers and with a pair of suspenders on over the top and she's got like messy hair and she looks like Tom Waits or something like that and I would have remembered seeing that in my parents record collection so I don't think that we had Patty Smith horses I think we probably had some of their later stuff like maybe but I don't think we had the, the debut album because I don't remember seeing it so yeah, yeah there you Fair go enough. my parents let me down they did just that time <laughs> Grant huh? No. Uh, had you heard of Patty Smith and/or horses before? I thought maybe you might have heard of Patty Smith. 
I might have heard of Paysmith. I wouldn't be able to tell you any any song in particular at mm-hmm. all. Still now, because I was actually intri- I was disciplined this time. I've, I thought I'm going to see what Liam can tell me rather than me go significantly back. But um, so yeah, hadn't heard the album, mm-hmm. and um, I've heard of the name. But there's another Patty Smith as well. That's if you go to you know um, search online, there's and it's in the spelling. So. I was like, I could have been remembering that Patty Smith for. Right. I know, I wouldn't know. But <laughs> what's the other Patty Smith like? I don't know. I just oh. remember this because this is S M I T H, and then there's yep. S M Y T H as well oh. in in or in the in Apple Music, I think. So right. I was like, yeah, well, well, wannabe, mm. you know. So had not heard of it at all. Oh, cool. Um, Fair enough. Of her and all horses. So there you go. So this album was hugely critically successful and has been over time, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, so publications like Q and Rolling Stone, they've ranked amongst the best punk albums of all time. It was interesting to read that people think it's, I mean, musically it's not super punky, like super no. crappy, upbeat, angry. No. Like she's, Okay, angry in the lyrics and the vocals and stuff, but not in the angry that you usually think of associate with punk. Mm-hmm. But I think definitely in the themes and the styles and that sort of stuff, it was definitely there. Um, Chris Smith put it in his 101 albums that changed popular music. Michael Stipe of R.E.M. said it tore his limbs off and put them back on in a whole different order. And he <laughs> wow. cites Patti Smith as his primary inspiration for becoming a musician. And then Jeez. she actually appeared on an R.E.M. album down the line as well, which I can only imagine how much he lost his shit at yeah. that. Yeah. Really nice. Wow. Um, bit of a um, flawless background too. So Courtney Love of Hole. So we've had a, one of the ladies from Girls Rock nominated a Hole album. So mm-hmm. it said her it helped inspire her to become a musician. Viv Albertine from The Slits said that it absolutely and completely yep. changed her life. And then um, PJ Harvey as well says, I heard Horses once and it was brilliant. Not so much her music as her delivery, her words, her articulation and her honesty. Well, I've definitely Also written. another little flawless bit awesome. where Tom Verlaine from television plays guitar on some of these songs and nice. you guys did Marky Moon. We did, yes. There's another nice. short little micro episode. Mm. Well, I was going to say Kate Bush, PJ Harvey, yeah, yeah, yeah. This Bikini Kill, La Tigra, Regina Spector would not sound like they do mm-hmm. without this album. Yeah, Because totally. even yeah. like some of the intros and stuff, because I was like, oh, this sounds right. a bit Kate Bush. And then I was like, oh, yeah. like but sure. it was like, oh, this was like three years before Kate Bush debuted. Yeah. So um, it was like, oh, okay. So um, this probably... Kate Bush learned from well, Penny. Probably because Kate Bush was only 19 when she debuted with Wuthering Heights. And it was like three years after this album came out. And um, it was in number 80 in the Australian albums, number 18 in the Dutch, 47 in the US Billboard. Uh, but it only reached 157, I believe, in the UK. So sorry about that. Um, but it did go gold eventually in the UK and Australia. Like it's interesting that it makes charts at all. Like it's not structured in a like a popular kind of way to really get people's attention it's got two mammoth 10 minute songs on there yeah it doesn't have any hooky singles that you could say this is like a really easy stuff for the radio to play everything's really confrontational the whole time so mm-hmm. i was surprised it charted at all when i looked up i thought it'd be one of those ones where everyone knew about it but it, and over time it sold like a million mm. copies but it took 30 years to sell a million copies yeah whereas, yeah and she released one single from it, mm-hmm. which was gloria yes. in excelsis deo mm-hmm. which is latin do you know what that means not off the top of my head. Um, glo- glory to God in his highest. Mm. And I know that from Church of England choir. Yeah. So we used to have to sing, Gloria Church in Excelsis Deo. So, um, yeah, so it comes from uh, a like a like an old Christian hymn. So uh, Gloria in Excelsis Deo comes from. Mm. But the actual song is not hers. Well, well part of it. Part of it's part not of it. hers. Yeah, so originally mm. it was like, she's like co-opted it and made mm-hmm. it her own 
Which you see a lot of throughout the whole album. Like, Mm -hmm. there's this idea called intertextuality in um, literary studies, where it's this idea that authors borrow works from other previous authors before them to create a richer piece of work and, you know, incorporate it into the canon of literature. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what Patti Smith does here. Mm -hmm. You know, she references them, which is Van Morrison's band, and then a few other like bits mm-hmm. down the way where she's just kind of talking like hey this is where i've come from and this is where it's gotten me yeah absolutely and van morrison liked it and obviously um was is credited as a co-writer of the song so um if he didn't want her to sing it it would not be Wouldn't on the album happened. yeah no yeah. absolutely um and can i just say that uh from a lyrical intro to an album oh the words jesus died for somebody's sins but not mine Mm-hmm. What an opening. Yeah. 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 I was like, I've never heard this chick before. Yeah. I've never heard this album. <laughs> and she and, comes in and she, and she just right like, in the boom. Yeah. Like, yeah, drops it. Deal with that one. Yeah. yeah. Like, right. And it's okay. called Gloria. So, yeah. Yeah. And then she comes in with, and it's, it's got that piano and smooth mm-hmm. bass, and it's like really beautiful. And then she comes in with her vocals, and it's like, are you Leonard Cohen now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, where did that come from? Yeah, it's a good so, description, actually. It was that oh, kind of this? like, she didn't need to be um, like super girly in a feminine mm. style and like singing. And she sometimes moves more into slam poetry. And mm. then, yeah, the uh, but here stuff. it was that spoken word out of tune, but it doesn't great. It mm. kind of fits with the melody of the music. So, yes, that's I like. She was raised religious. I did see what which church she was in, but I didn't write it down. So I don't know if anybody else knows, but she was as a young person. Mm-hmm. So she was raised religious, got to about sort of her teens. And she was like, yeah, this doesn't work for me. It's too dogmatic. It's too structured. It's too people using religion to take advantage of other people, etc." So since after, so she left the church and then I think that really heavily influences this album. So it's not, she uses the parts of it that she likes the of church music and choral music, but then also inverts some of it and flips some of it on its head. And then later on, she sort of did some, um, like, I think she discovered, like, Tibetan Hinduism, that sort of stuff. So more centered on the self and mm. doing good works and that sort of stuff. So that was really cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually described herself as being beyond gender as mm-hmm. well, which I thought was a really nice, like, soft, before the words, like, non-binary came about. Like, mm. to say that in 1975 and to come out with this plucky record was... Uh, I was intrigued that, that even referencing, like, that opening line that it could get past copyright. I mean, like... Um, Senses uh, and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm like, geez, guys. It was definitely like a cult sense. underground sort of thing. Yeah. But everything that I read sort of said it would, yeah, she had a big underground following. People knew who she was. But yeah, like even that first line still mm. grabs that attention from there. Well, she was quite big in the poetry scene mm-hmm. of New York. And she yep. was living at the Chelsea Hotel and hanging out with people like Janis Joplin and okay. you know, Jimi Hendrix before he died. And mm. So she was very much involved in that New York, you know, late 60s, early 70s scene. Mm-hmm. And she recorded at Electric Lady Studios, yes. which was commissioned by Jimi Hendrix to mm-hmm. be built anyway. So um, I guess people liked her already mm-hmm. and went, for your debut, you're going to get the best people mm-hmm. to like create this record with you, um, which is awesome. But yes, yeah, so that's that's the only kind of sort of cover 
on the album, isn't it? And that's the way that she um, In Land, she yeah. references, what's it called? She does the same thing. Uh, Land, Land of, of a Thousand, thousand Dances. Dances. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Which is the same thing. So she just pulls, so the first song, she just pulls the chorus. Mm-hmm. That's literally all she took from it, yeah. but she took enough that they had to get the songwriting credit. And it's the I same in that song. the chorus structure is the yeah, same as well. Yeah. yeah, so it's not like she takes the whole song and plops it into it. It's like it's mm-hmm. just that chorus for the chorus. And then, yeah, for the later one, it's a little bit as well, which then sort of will get to it. But she comments on the style of the music and the structure of it as well. Which and is she really keeps awesome. the gender pronouns as well. Yeah, which so. I yes. love. Yeah, so she'll talk about like Gloria and mm. like I'm, I'm going to make her mine and stuff. Yeah. Mm. Like, so she keeps that. She doesn't like switch it like into like David, I'm going to make no. her mine. No. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, like completely flip it. Like she owns it, which I really enjoy. Mm. That's so, cool. Bianca, are there any other Patti Smith albums you might have considered nominating? Have you sort of... No, I've through. not really delved too far into the rest of her catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a little bit in her next album, Easter, and Radio Ethiopia, whatever that came along. Yep. But this is the only one that I kind of keep coming back to, aside from a few, few songs here and there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because huh? she released four more, like she did four albums in the 70s from like, I think it was 75, and then three more again, three to 70, and then quite a few in the 80s as well. So she was super prolific with putting stuff out. But I haven't obviously don't know as much of the catalogue either. I know. I feel like I need to do a bit more of a deep dive. Yeah, now yeah. Because like too many people I know like that have been influenced by her. So, mm. so yeah. And it's like entire you talk about PJ Harvey crediting her, she's got like Horses in My Dreams as a song. And mm-hmm. so um oh. then Tori Amos has got a whole song called Horses. And so I think yeah. like it's all harking back to Patty Smith horses and this uh, this record i think like these women with the ability to express themselves in that way probably came from something like this record mm. and Daryl Brightside that's just a just a mistake Complete, that's so a mistake we leave that one we leave <laughs> Brightside out of it <laughs> so appearing on the album was Patti Smith did the vocals uh J.D. Doherty did drums Lenny Kay did lead guitar and some bass Ivan Kral did some bass guitar and guitar and Richard Soul did piano which surprised me to find that she wasn't playing the piano herself. It feels like, mm. especially in that first song where she opens with the piano to vocals, like I can see her sitting at a piano doing that first bit because it starts off with just the piano and her and then all the other bits kick in and then it rises up in that really big song and I can see it sort of running away, leaving the piano and doing a huge thing with it. But yeah, I was interested to find, according to Wikipedia, so that mm. yeah. you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. she had, she'd written the song parts and all that sort of stuff. That she just Look, actually I don't perform. actually know. She's not really... A musician, like when mm-hmm. I saw her live, which we'll get to, oh. um, she brought out an acoustic guitar for one song, but it was kind of more decorative yep. than, you know, mm-hmm. it was just adding a little bit. So mm-hmm. I don't think she's really that invested in the musicality side of it. I yep. know her and Lenny Kay worked together before they were in the band when she was doing the spoken word poetry and he would do, you know, weird guitar stuff yeah. while she did poetry mm-hmm. over it. So I think it's really that strong relationship of, the band starts jamming and she just starts singing or talking and reciting poetry over the top. Mm. Well, they talk about that in um, a couple of the tracks. They um, just had like a, almost like a stream of consciousness mm-hmm. and they um, improvised as a band. And that's how some of the songs came about, like improvising in the studio and just hitting record and seeing what happens. And mm. like almost like a jazz band, like mm. going, everyone's so competent, they're all going to play together and they just 
go, okay, we're done now, and they end it, and, like, that's a track recorded. They didn't have to go through all the rigmarole I did in my bands where we had to, <laughs> like, structure it, rehearse it, this, that, and the other, yeah. and then record mm. it. It just feels so track. stressful, though, like, but I guess if you have unlimited studio time, it's... Less changes, yeah. Yeah. So changes the dynamic. Thing. It was For third sure. band was entirely improvised. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. Which makes perfect sense. But yeah, but that was like nine minutes. So mm. nine minutes of like improvised, like wails and calls and stuff, simple riffs in the background. Wasn't there a bit? I saw read in an interview where she was like, it just went on for so long that I wanted to die. But then I listened back and I was like, oh, it's actually very beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, well, you can say that about your own work, but yeah. other people can enjoy it. So that's fine. Because there was a bit of friction between her and Kayle in the studio. So this was her first time recording and he's like a veteran already. And he's, he wanted to really, she was putting on these live chaotic performances of doing poetry and vocals and stuff, you know, wailing stuff behind her. So he really wanted to try and capture that and then to do stuff to get that, he had to get her to do stuff that she didn't necessarily want to do in a studio. So at the time there, there was a bit of friction between it. But then afterwards, she's basically since then, she's kind of gone, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm. He knew what he was doing. He was telling me what to do. I didn't like some guy telling me what to do, but it, actually it was the right thing because we achieved the thing that I wanted to achieve by doing it. So now he thinks of she thinks of him as a brother. So it's like, that's really cool. Like oh, the friction that everybody, yeah. Acknowledges worked. Mm. Yeah. That's sweet. What was required. Mm. That's awesome. So, really cool. so Bianca, from from your side, can you t- tell me how how old were you? How long ago did this become an a flawless album for you? Look, so. it was not too long ago in the grand scheme of things. I want to say it was maybe 2015. Wow, I started okay. listening to her, and yes. then I just kept going and kept going, and quickly became an obsession. So yeah. have you been listening to music like that have been influenced by her? Oh, absolutely. Then? Okay. Yeah. So you've, you've been on like the white girl stuff or yes. like the female like fronted stuff and everything like that. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So it was like a natural progression to kind of regress. Y- yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back in time. Yeah. To where somebody, so, yeah, somebody yeah. said, Patty Smith, Patty Smith, too many ones. Mm. They've got yeah. to search for this. It's not because like, you start, quite like, you know, with bands like Bikini Kill, which is often people's first introduction into, you know, Riot Girl and mm-hmm. female-fronted punk and everything, and then you start going backwards of like, okay, well, who influenced Bikini them. Kill? Yeah. Mm. What came before that? Absolutely. Okay. okay. Which is interesting because the second track is Redondo Beach, which is like reggae. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Which is like cool. totally appropriate for the time. Like there was a lot of reggae influenced punk and stuff um, in the 70s. Yeah. Um, so it made perfect sense. But yeah, it's just like that. The way the bass and drums and synthy effects kind of come together and then she draws her vocals mm. over those paired back instruments is really nice. So that one started out as a poem. So she published it as a poem in a book in 1972. Mm. So I think it was one of those ones where probably she brought the lyrics and the guys behind her did mm. the, more of the instrumentation Because it has sort of a fairly traditional song structure mm. compared to the rest yeah, of the yeah. songs yeah. on sure. the album. <laughs> yeah, but there's, you know, there's verses and a refrain that she returns to a few times. Mm. And this is, uh, she talks about the fact that Redondo Beach is a beach where women love other women. Mm. Like, so like that's how she introduces the song. Um, and there's beautiful lyrics of, um, so the whole premise of the song is about the fact that um, she's had this like dispute with her partner, then the partner's gone and taken their own life at the beach and then washed up and it's like a whole big thing and everyone's talking about this beautiful woman that's been washed up on the beach and she's like now she's gone but um, she sings the words. Yeah, I'm looking for you, ooh, ooh. are you gone, gone? 
deep and yeah. pretty dark. But um, it's such an upbeat song. The music behind yeah. it is so upbeat. Yeah. You've, you've really got to listen to it to realise, oh, yeah, this is a really somber. And <laughs> at no point is it like her lyrics are kind of happy and then kind of sad. It's like, no, these are like, you could put this to like just a really somber song instead. Mm. But she just uses that juxtaposition really well. And it was actually released as a double A side with, with Marcy. Yeah. Of all things. I read that this morning and I was just like, <laughs> yeah. No. In 2004, wow. 2005, um, with There Is a Light That Never Goes Out, mm. um, double A side with Redondo Beach. And, and that actually charted so as a single for her um, in the Eurochart. Hot 100 at number 41, number 45 in Ireland, 15 in Scotland, 33 in Sweden, 11 in the UK, 10 in the US Billboard, but number one in the UK indie chart was actually Redondo Beach with (laughs) There's a Light That Never Goes Out. In 2004. In 2004, 2005. Yeah. Wow. So when it charted, which is like remarkable. So um, like, I guess Morrissey and the melancholy of Morrissey mm. Um, mm. Mi- mixed with the upbeat but then melancholy story of um, like Patty Smith yeah. uh, makes perfect sense. But um, yeah, I definitely would have bought it for Patty and not Morrissey. Yeah. <laughs> was it her version or was it him singing it? Because the thing I read said he covered it. Oh, he covered it? Yeah. Oh, I thought Yeah, it was, I don't think it was I her version. Was her. I think he covered it. Oh, in that case, I take it back. I you wouldn't buy it, it. No, no I, would, I, I do kind of want to hear it, though. Yeah. Just mm. out of morbid I'm, curiosity. Yeah, I'm going to have to go morbid. back here actually listen to it. But uh, yeah, so if that one, yeah, that charted for Morrissey. So um, there we go. She would have got all the money from a writing credit. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She's all good. Good. You said it and you skipped right by us and you expected us not to, not to notice. <laughs> when did on. you see her live? There you yeah. go. All right. I saw there her live go. on Sunday, April 16, 2017 at Hamer Hall in Melbourne, which is part of the Arts Centre down there. Mm-hmm. And that was Easter Sunday that year. Right. So Patti Smith is very big about auspicious dates and, you know, greater symbolism. And it felt mm-hmm. very important at the time that it was, you know, Easter Sunday and this... Sure. woman who has all of these, you know, references to Catholicism and stuff. And, just and an very, album was called nice. Easter, as you referenced exactly. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. playing on yes. Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. How was it? Earning money. Life-changing. Nice. Wow. Life-changing. Me Ooh. and my two best friends at the time, we were in like the back of the back. Yeah. <laughs> but that didn't even Sold matter. out? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was sold out. Um, just incredible. So super strong from the very start. She played Horses from beginning to end. And oh, then she nice. played a few wow. other songs, like a few of her hit singles mm. and a cover of um, My Generation. Yep. Wow. Incredible performance. Really wow. humble, soft-spoken lady. Just absolutely life-changing moment. Mm. That's nice. incredible. Yeah. Because oh. the My Generation cover is the extra song that gets added onto this CD sometime. Yeah. When it was re-released, they, they had a live cover of her doing that. So, yeah, it would have been really awesome to see that, them play yeah. that as well. Cool. Definitely. And how did you discover that she was touring? You Just because you're in the industry or you regularly... No, I think because it was up. a fairly big show at a prominent yeah. um, venue that the advertising just made its way to me you know but it was back in the day when there used to be mx the mm-hmm. the street press the street press and, okay you know so you, you'd read that on the train home and, yes you know. you're like okay so you've started your journey two years earlier basically or 18 months pretty earlier. much yeah and so patty's coming to town <laughs> done incredible <laughs> luck uh-huh. yeah. yeah exactly yeah. Wow. it was meant to be her last ever australian tour but then she i'm pretty sure she's booked for blues fest last year which obviously okay. did not go ahead yeah yeah of global pandemics, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Um, so I don't know if she'll 
ever make it back to Australia. Mm. She's like 74 or mm. something now. So, so she's so. got to be close to 70s. Like, yeah. My mother's 74 and she comes to Australia. So I think that her she, she doesn't play shows though. She doesn't play shows. I'm guessing. She, she puts on a show, yeah. don't get me wrong, but she doesn't play shows, which, cool. is, which is fair. But That's really cool though. She'd huh? be epic. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, Bianca, any other songs you wanted to talk about? Some of your oh favorites from the God. album? Yeah. <laughs> Aside from all of them. Well, I mean, it's only eight Bird songs, only eight 43 songs. minutes. Yeah. So, so also, Did it's side one, side, side two. Side one, side two. Yeah. Because yeah. this is the vinyl. vinyl. Yeah. Yep. That's, um, a good, that's a good split, those two sides, I think. Two even, yeah. pretty even sides. And one, it separates the two nine-minute songs Yeah, as well. one super long yes. song on each yeah. side. So, yep, no, it's a good On split. the topic of super long songs, Land is my favorite song on nice. the album. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I have a Patti Smith tattoo. I know nice. you guys talk Shall about lyric snips, snippets of if you love a song, would you get the lyrics tattooed on you? And yeah. I have a sea of possibility tattooed on me. Nice. Oh, wow. nice. Yeah. Great one. There you go. So, um, so that means, Liam, you're not allowed to get any lyrics. <laughs> no. Because someone's no, done it someone for you. Someone did it already. Yep. Someone's done it for you. So um, we're going to go through all the episodes and find all the times Liam said that, I'm going to get this lyric tattooed on me. And then we're just going to like <laughs> write a freaking novel down yeah. the spine. No. Which would be great. Um, so yeah, so land. So we're talking about land. So um, that's broken into part, like a three-part journey. Mm. Um, so horses is part one. Part two is land of a thousand dances, um, which we touched on briefly. But then uh, part three is la mer or la merde. So depending on how you want to take it, either the sea or the shit. Mm. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> like in French, kind of both of the same. Yeah, in absolutely. this song. So um, it's got lyrics in it, which I really enjoy. Um, talking about the dude in it, Johnny. 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 Black leather jacket. Just that. Black leather jacket. Traditional yeah. iconography of bad boy American yeah. rock. Oh, and isn't then, it just? And then she just pulls it apart because she's sick of Johnny's and their iconography of bad boy American rock. Absolutely. So. Well, I did she... read that it was for her. I'm not sure if they were still dating at the time of this album, but Robert Maplethorpe, who did the cover. They dated for quite a amount of time, but he became quite heavily involved in the gay S&M scene mm-hmm. and eventually died of AIDS um, in the 80s. But it was kind of about this idea that she was waiting at home for him, but he was out in these underground nightclubs, wow. you know, in this, you know, this leather scene and doing really like risky activities just mm-hmm. to, you know... Mm-hmm explore that side of him and it came through in his art do not google his art at work yeah because <laughs> <laughs> okay. it yeah, wasn't she... until the 80s that in new york um the like epidemic of hiv and aids actually became a thing yeah like mm-hmm. i recently watched a documentary all about it yeah. so it wasn't until like 81 that the like gay rights health movement uh like came together to try and like campaign for it so, yeah um that's desperately sad um like yeah, like iconography to have like associated to your partner, and I guess, and to lose them in that way. Yeah, but, yeah, it's really sad. But sorry, you're not interrupted. No, it's fine. It's just um because they talk about he, she talks about him going out um and like in his leathers and stuff. liked those that kind of lyric because it was like really visual like mm-hmm. i could um, mm. i could see that it was like it was all hidden underneath the leather jacket like 
that was the way it was kind of played out and stuff like these are all of my um tools that i'm going to take out there to be in a dangerous environment and now with the context it makes a lot more sense so there we go life is indeed full of pain she does a really cool thing with the vocals in this song where she starts harmonizing with herself <laughs> and so she'll sing the main line of a verse or main line and then she'll throw another like a little phrase at the end mm-hmm. but then the phrases start getting longer and then eventually the part the one of her that was singing the short phrases becomes the main line of each verse so it's this weird thing where she's like harmonizing but then the second of her takes over as like leading the song it's almost like she's singing in a round yeah mm-hmm. you know yeah. Like row, yeah. row row your boat mm-hmm. and you know somebody yeah else exactly it's yeah like that it's it i wrote that it was in stereo in layers like mm-hmm. haunted. Yeah. yes like but like you're in a haunted hall yeah like, like one character is like much further away from you and is trying to talk but you're like oh i need to strain to listen whereas the other person's much closer and mm. is talking to you and you're like yeah. oh, if you're okay. listening on headphones yeah it's got the stereo happening and it's mm-hmm. almost like these voices swoop in from yeah. one side and swoops in oh, from oh, the oh. other side and it's this very out of body experience almost mm. yeah and that's the longest song on the record as yes. well yeah. at nine minutes 36 which is like hardcore but yeah. like um, it's got some yeah really beautiful things and it's emulate the horses kind of um, iconography is emulated by so many people um, in there yeah. in modern mm. things like mm. I talked about earlier so that's really cool and then when Johnny dies at the end it sort of fades out and then it, there's this, the drum oh the, the that little beat. drum bit it's and so it's cool the heart, and then it sort of st- goes staccato so it's yeah. like his heart seizing up and him dying it was like yeah that's really awesome like, that's so simple talking. but so <laughs> like attractive. just the way it's done yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. cool. Grant, any songs you would like to? Well, is that the epic? Of nominate? course. Where's your Birdland? Birdland. Birdland we can, yeah. I mean, yeah. let's talk about Birdland. I mean, it's yeah, another yeah. epic, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Just um, and it's so soon. You have Gloria, which is this kind of almost classic rock anthem. Mm. You go into Redondo Beach, which is still kind of hey. rocky with the reggae thing, kind yeah. of laid back, and then you go into Birdland, third track just. on the album, and it's just like, what is going on? Yeah. yeah. This is where she's got sweet, childlike, poetic, like, vocals. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, yeah. where did this come from? Yeah. But then it goes into that, like, almost animalistic, like, moaning. And mm-hmm. it's, like, not always pleasant to listen to. Mm-hmm. I've written whales and calls. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm totally with you on that one. So, and you can, like, you can hear her, like, poetic. The, her poetry, live poetry background. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you can for sure. There's that with her starting a sentence and stuff, um, and it's like the music is steady, but then her vocals start to ramp up. So the music's like shit. We need to ramp up too, yeah. and it's like <laughs> we're all gonna ramp up together. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's just like this really awesome like story that um like epic as you talk about Grant. Like it's the, the other it epic is? on the al- album. So, um, and it's a story of that um based on the book of dreams a childhood memoir of peter reich son of a radical psychoanalyst wilhelm reich that she said that there's a section in it where peter describes a birthday party not long after his father died he wandered outside and became convinced his father was coming down to get him and taking him off in a spaceship Mm, and that's sounds the, about right. That's the premise yeah. of the song. And so in the song, don't do this, hallucinogenics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in the song, there like she's singing of him saying, "Like take me, take me." So like, like, um, but the UFO reveals itself as a flock of blackbirds, like in the story. And so she said it was the story haunted her, and that's where the like lyrics of. He looked at the surface. He saw his face. 
And with her eyes were just two white opals, two white opals. With her eyes, they were just two white opals. Because he'd given himself up to the ravens and said the ravens can take his eyes if they promise to take him back to his father. Like, and yeah, and that was like an improv track. (laughs) You're like, how'd you make an improv track like (laughs) that? That's Mm. like bonkers. Um, And so, yeah, that's why it sounds so dramatic and like slam poetry really comes into it and you need really accomplished musicians to follow the vocals Mm. or the vocals. And it felt very, this one felt very Velvet Underground-y with just all the different layers and kind of Mm -hmm. subtle chaos, which I know seems like a contradictory term, (laughs) but it's like chaos that is happening on lower levels to fill out the noise. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, But on the topic of stories that haunt your dreams what did you guys think of break it up yeah a haunting opening i've written so uh yeah, yeah. break up but it's kind of sexy yeah as a song it's like it's about jim morrison song. so you know and it's about jim morrison okay <laughs> oh so there we that go that makes perfect sense no grant is a doors fan yeah oh well sure and there were some incorrect <laughs> decisions on that <laughs> podcast let me tell you sure so, like, lyric, wow. like vocally, she goes from sweetness to squealing mm-hmm. to spitting. Yeah. Like, she just moves through all of the alliteration. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, but she just, um, but the guitar is noticeably great in this. Because when it's mastered, um, this album, like, the guitar doesn't overpower anything. It's no. really, like, vocally driven, mm-hmm. um, which makes perfect sense because she's, like, front and center um but here like the guitar is really there and the bass does these really great mm. runs up and down the fret and there's almost a guitar solo but it kind of it starts and then it pulls back mm. and it doesn't yeah. eventuate into one which i thought was really interesting yeah it's interesting in the album a few times there are guitar solos but only a solo in terms of whatever else is that like she's still singing mm. but it, they're not just playing the standard part behind her the guitarist is just going all right let's see what i can do while she's singing yeah. she's like a guitar solo <laughs> but not actually solo but the kind of structure yeah. you'd expect from a guitar solo yeah, yeah. just like some sweet riffs yeah just, yeah, yeah. Just check this out oh, he has a really nice this? um there so in break it up the really nice lyric like visual again of snow started falling I could hear the angel calling. We rolled on the ground. He stretched out his wings. The north flew away and he started to sing. He sang definitely like harks back to her being a poet first yeah definitely and i think that's something that really struck me about this album is that she writes lyrics in a way that I would never consider doing because it seems too on the nose, too obvious. Mm. But the way she it must be in her delivery that it's so confident mm. that she absolutely believes in what she's doing that it doesn't seem too contrived or anything like that. Mm. So did she date Jim Morrison? No. I think she met him. I can't remember when he died though. Oh, oh mid-70s. I wouldn't know the date. Yeah. Well, might have been early 80s actually. Yeah. I know I it's in know. France somewhere. No, it's, it's, yeah. It, yeah. Buried in France, but I don't know when he, when he passed. The other cool thing about Break It Up is it's got a male choir behind yeah. it, which is the other mm-hmm. gender switch stuff that she does all through this album. So normally, yeah, you'd have a dude out the front, women doing the backing choral lines. And in this one, it's, yeah, woman out the front, men doing the backing choral lines. So it's really cool. She does like to stretch this whole thing, uh, like ideas of like gender con- confines mm. and stuff. Yeah. Oh, doesn't which she? Which I really like. Yeah. Permeates through like, the album. Mm, she could, good way of she putting it. She could have 
Yeah, tiny hips. Yeah. Um, she could have just done really sweet vocals. Like, she's perfectly capable of doing mm. oh. really yeah. sweet melodic vocals throughout the whole thing. But she's chosen to move into poetry and move into hissing or move into whatever it is in order to get the point across of the poem that she's yeah. written. That well, she uses her voice like an instrument, basically. Yeah. From yeah. being, you know, everywhere from being a harp to being, you know, a wild drum kit, mm. kind of. Mm-hmm. And then in break it up when it, towards the end when he's dying, she's holding the note and thumping herself in the chest so that so that the note shuffles up and down. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's just yeah, like she's holding. Like I don't think you can do it without. Yeah, yeah exactly like that. She starts doing that as like the, the grief and stuff mm-hmm. just starts really hitting her. It just only does it a couple of times, but it's really noticeable. That's nice. Really That's like cool. when Karen O would. Um, I think she would lie down sometimes in the studio with her head hanging over the back of the sofa and start singing that way yeah. just to see it because her voice changed. Mm. Um, so it's just like an interesting way of like going, how can I make my voice different? I'm just going <laughs> to lay backwards and upside down and yeah. then do that thing. Um, and so I think, I think it was Karen and I would do that, which is awesome. Um, so yes, did you have any more... Um, no, not the same particular. How about Liam? Did you have songs that you wanted to cover? Um, I think I really like Free Money. Mm. Um, yeah. It's kind of the poppier, almost like a ballad love song sort of stuff, which like I'm, I'm thinking of it with it, my like Whitney Houston 80s ears on, but obviously this was before any of that stuff happened, but it was really cool. But then it's really about a love song to money and like how great money is and if we had it, we'd be able to do all the things we wanted and how great is it going to be to have money. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, these barreling drums start coming up oh, in the mix. Yeah, they're so like the, panicking, aren't they? Yeah, so the bit where she goes... Where it's hot, hot in Arabia, baby, then cool, cold, you feel the snow and we'll roll, drain, roll, drain, roll, roll, drain, drain, when we dream it. And just behind it the whole time is these frenetic drums, really, really loud, barreling, marching drums, and then her delivery becomes really... She's like spitting the words into the microphone, like just stabbing these words. It's really cool. Oh, baby, it would mean so much to me. Baby, I know our troubles will be gone. Yeah. If only she had this free money. So it's kind of like a love song to like, you know, capitalism and money and stuff. But also like she hates that as well like it's yeah. this sarcastic juxtaposition yeah she had yeah. money definitely easier and then uh whoops you released an ec- excellent album and <laughs> yeah. got a shit ton now of money now you have money yeah you have um, money so the song no. is obsolete and then sammy hagar would cover that song two years later on his <laughs> really? self-titled album yeah oh okay yeah but he probably didn't realize it was being sarcastic and he just actually yeah. wanted the money <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that drum bit, you know, no matter what I'm doing, if I'm listening to yeah. that album and it starts building up, like I have to stop and I'm just like, yes, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> nice. And I think it's a really good ending to side one. Yeah. As well. mm. yeah. Like, like that song, it's just like a really nice like tail end of side one and you're like, okay, ready? It's now, gotten you mm. ramped up. Got yeah. you ramped up, but then yeah. you can flip it over and turn it into this like almost electro sounding mm. Kimberly. 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 Like and you, so you turn it over from your barreling drums and everything else, and then you um, get into this bassy drum effect, which sounds like this kind of electro backbeat. Um, and her vocals lift to this high pitched singing chorus when she gets to like little sister and stuff mm. as well. So, um, and then she's got like, yes, stand again, um, into that spoken word kind of monotonal verse um, because she can. Because that works for her. Um, with the lyrics. I was crazy, 
so crazy I knew I could break through with you So with one hand I rocked you And with one heart I reached for you I knew your youth was for the taking but Oh, your youth was for the <laughs> taking yeah. Like what a line So, what a line. But then like the whole thing feels like a stream of consciousness mm. um, But it's just like I really love Kimberly Like it was a really great entrance to side two I think the lyrics I have down for that one and goes, and I feel like some misplaced Joan of Arc and the cause is you looking up at me and the songs about her baby sister who was mm. born when she was 12 years old. So it's this sort of preeminative reflection on motherhood mm-hmm. of just like, oh God, you have this little tiny being and it's looking up at you and you're in its entire world mm. and you have to like fight to the death for this little like human. Yeah. No, or you could just kind of leave it there mm. and just let it fend for itself. See, yeah. like, just totally. see what happens. I mean, like, has, any, yeah. has anyone tried? Less Don't interesting do. song, though, I think. Yeah, sure. yeah, this is true. That's, fair. that's a really nice. <laughs> I, I prefer your version of that uh, by far because I am recently a grandparent and so I look down at a tiny baby and I'm like, Am I everything to you right now? Am I everything right now? I'm looking at you and playing and I'm everything. Like, gosh, like <laughs> next time you see her, you should be like, I'm your Joan of Arc, by the way. Yeah. And we'll just, so just you know. Bear that in mind. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll cool. see if she notices. She's eight months. We'll see if she notices. So uh, we've hit every song along the way now. So we might as well do a quick wrap up on Elegy. The and, mm-hmm. Elegy. and then we'll um, we'll wrap it up. So Elegy. Just what a her fitting a piano. ending. Just, yeah, just it feels like it could be anticlimactic after you're coming in after mm. a nine-minute song. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. That song could be the last song on the album. It's the big epic finisher, but it's like, no, I've still got this one thing to say. It's the come down. It's the come down. Yeah. It's, you know. Closure. There's been grief in so many of the other songs, but this is like this is like the full-on, the grief song. I think it's just her and piano, or is there like some double no, bass some, as well? Some guitar and bass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but um, def- there's no drums though, so yeah. it's just definitely that sort of more stripped-back thing. Is... And there's oohs and ahs. Mm. Oh, yes. yeah. You know, I love an oh. ooh and And we started the saying, okay, it's got the best opening line of the album, and I would argue this is an incredible closing line. But I think it's sad. It's much too bad that our friends can't be with us today. Mm. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Devastating. Yeah. It doesn't feel yes. like it's the same thing of like the poet. It's a poem line. It's a line of poetry. It's not necessarily a song lyric that you would normally put into a song, mm-hmm. but because of her, not this is how I do it. It works really well. So this is the shortest song at mm-hmm. two minutes forty-two, um, but it's got and more lyrics in it. Like considering it's a tiny song, and um, I just don't know what to do tonight. My heart head is aching as I drink and breathe. Memory falls like cream in my bones, mm. moving on my own. There must be something I can dream tonight. Mm. Like, oh, it's the grief. It's the grief song. Yeah, yeah. There must be something I can dream. Mm. So when I saw her live, she did an extended version of this. Okay. And on the big screen behind her, there were photos of all of the people the song was dedicated to and who she's lost since then. So it was like Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, and then um, Robert Maplethorpe 
her husband, Fred Smith from MC5, I think mm-hmm. Ben yep. was. Yep. And just like a few other people along the way. And it's just this all-encompassing, like she, this woman's had wow. so much loss in her life. Wow. Yeah. And she still is going forward and being so powerful and still being a really quite positive beacon. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, really, really good. I had a cry. I definitely <laughs> yeah. had a cry. I was going to say. That's but you're, and you're always going to probably cry anyway. Going yeah. In. yeah. But that's just, you got me real good, Petty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she got you, yes. Yeah. As far as <laughs> outros for a record goes, mm. it's like a really beautiful, like, yeah, the yeah. epilogue to everything that we've gone through on this journey together. And how long is it together? Like, it's 46, 46, 46 47 46, minutes. Yeah, yeah it's something like that. Um, so she's stretching the limits of vinyl. Um, with the length of her tracks Um, but yeah absolutely I think she's done a blinding job of putting stuff together Mm. on both sides of a record and as a debut too yeah that's crazy good for a debut and the number of people who would have been telling her you can't do that you know you have have to sound like this your first album should be like you can do your crazy experimental album second let's do a straightforward album yeah I was thinking like she wouldn't have had that many, uh, maybe Janice Joplin, she wouldn't have had that many female role models to be looking at and going, I want to be like that. So mm-hmm. it would have been looking at dudes and going, I want to be that but me, which yeah. is just, and then mm-hmm. just owning that all the way through. Or the really antithesis good. of that guy. Yeah, and or I'll deconstruct the, yeah. some of the stuff that he does because some of the stupid shit he does, I'm going to pull yeah. that apart and yeah. But just that idea of, and then obviously her now then being the role model for everybody is just like, yeah. you see that moment <laughs> where it clicks and then suddenly it's like just a big flow on effect from mm-hmm. there. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Any last thoughts before we go for a last pitch? Not from mine. No, you're all good. No. I'm keen for a pre-prepared, <laughs> typed out. Oh, I wanted to sound like it was off pitch. the cuff, you know, oh, like I was well, just so, is... such a natural. <laughs> 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 I've practiced it. Don't, don't look, and you can just there you go on your way. Alrighty, horses takes you on a journey. Right? It's not a straightforward rock album. Somehow she's made all of these different styles fit together in a single album that you wouldn't otherwise think they'd be able to make work. Patti Smith in particular, this album, it made me rethink music just entirely. It turned music upside down on its head for me. The blend of poetry and singing, the way she showed lyrics that don't have to be rhyming couplets or go verse, chorus, verse, chorus, outro. I'd never heard anything like this before. She doesn't try to sing in a pretty way. She doesn't try to be anybody who, anybody else. She's just herself. It's just pure, genuine. And from a musical standpoint, it shows that the music doesn't have to be complicated in order to be interesting. A lot of the time, the guitar is quite simple. Like, mm-hmm. it's not going above and beyond doing crazy solos or anything like that. So... I think Horses is flawless because it's unlike anything else released at the time. And I still feel like it's unlike anything else that's out there right now. But it still also manages to pay tributes to her influences and everyone that came before her. So it's such a pure expression of art that it's unpretentious and totally embodies this idea that punk is an innate attitude rather than a distinct musical style. So this album is saying, we're here. This is who we are. Too bad if you don't like it. Awesome. Oh my goodness. What a nice one. (laughs) The Oscar goes to... Yes, I was so desperate to get a flawless. Wow. Bless your little console. Jeez, that was a good, great one. Well, let's find out if you did get a flawless. We'll start with George. Start with me. Final thoughts and a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Okay, so um, being forcibly 
made to listen to the album against my will yeah. uh, for the <laughs> sake of the podcast. So much reluctance. Mm, yeah. I can um, imagine. And literally consciously listening to it, um, I would agree with so much of the sentiment of our delightful Bianca um, with um, the influences. I don't believe that my record collection would sound like the record collection I have today because um, the influences of the groundbreaking work that patty smith has done and as her own and not patty smith and a band she like she had a band and they're all competent people um but it wasn't that she was the front person of a band and she decided to be a solo artist and i think that is testament to her and like the kahunas that she's got on her so i think that's pretty freaking awesome um and i really love like researching so much about this album i think that the tracks are all like crafted and beautiful and her Poetry stands the test of time, absolutely for sure. And as far as eight tracks go on a vinyl record, um, I think she's done a really awesome job of picking exactly the right tracks to go on an album. And so um, I, again, that's testament. I think it is. Um, you can't say that it's a punk record in the traditional sense because no punk albums would have songs that long. Um, <laughs> they'd probably have twelve tracks of three three minutes each. Um, whereas we've got at least two nine minute songs on here. Um, so as far as this goes, it's groundbreaking and it's influenced so much of my life. Um, there is one moment in it though that I'm really sorry to Bianca, um, where I would take about three and a half minutes out of this album and then um, just put it away and uh, collapse a song together. So that is Land, which I love horses and I love part three, which is La Mer or La Mer. Um, and I think that's awesome. But when she goes into the kind of poppy bit talking about the song, like the dance moves and stuff, I just skip ahead about three minutes mm -hmm. and then i go to the next bit where she starts being haunting and um have like vocals come back and it's all refrained again so i just wish that that one song and i know that again it's probably another like stream of consciousness improvised track and it's <laughs> really beautiful but there's just that one bit in the middle that i couldn't like latch wave and I found myself like skipping forward every time I listened but that doesn't mean I'm not going to go back and actually listen to the entire back catalogue that Patti Smith has done because quite frankly um if she can do this on a debut record I can't imagine what she can do on future albums where she's got a little bit more construct behind mm. it cool. so I can't give it flawless Fair enough. but I can give it a massive nine like, out of ten yeah, <laughs> yeah, so that's me. Well, this podcast cool. isn't called Nine Out of Ten. That's it. No, it's not. But it's in my wheelhouse. This is why I'm really annoyed because it's totally in my wheelhouse of stuff mm -hmm. that you think that I would be like double tick parts and all sorts of things. <laughs> it was just that that three minute moment of that one song that I was like, oh, I just wish. Mm. And that was it. So I couldn't say, so I'm sorry, Bianca. Fair enough. Grant, final thoughts and a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Final thoughts. I had never, as I said, heard Patty Smith, Horses, no, not a clue. Um, and, and to be framed as a punk album, I think your your summary of it saying punk is a, a, a way of thinking as opposed to necessarily music is awesome. Um, I loved it. Um, so for mine, I'm going to say, yeah, I thought it was flawless. I never oh, thought I would. This is unexpected. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I, and I didn't. Um, but I, I think so... 
you know, opening with, and you probably, you probably, I was a little bit undecided just at the end of Elegy, but those lyrics at the end that you um, reference again about all that those the pe- people that aren't here mm. um, got me over. Actually, he was like, mm, I've written here, almost lost it for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so from Gloria to Redondo Beach to Bird, and I'm like, geez, like, it's challenging. Where is this going to go? What's going to what's going to happen next? And and I love um, an album that does have a great opening <laughs> song, as you've heard if you've listened to them. Uh, and I thought it wrapped up really nicely. So I didn't have a, have a, have a problem with um, the middle piece that you referenced there, <laughs> the th- three and a half um, in land. Um, and yeah, it was awesome. So thank you for bringing it. I did think <laughs> it was flawless. There you go. Okay, Liam, over cool. to you. Yeah. So. I knew it was an iconic album and that lots of people that I listen to have drawn on it and stuff like that has a really bad record for me because a lot of the times <laughs> I'm listening to stuff now and they all go, you should go and listen to this album. And I go back and listen to it. I go, oh yeah, cool. But I see where you got what you needed out of that and you mm. took what you needed and I don't get, so I can just listen to you and that's fine. Yeah. But in this one, they're all like, oh yeah, we were inspired by her, but none of them sound like her. Because nothing sounds like this ever. Mm. Nothing I'd ever heard sounded like nine minutes spoken. Like they're like, oh, it's <laughs> it's like you, you hear these bands who write three minute punk songs going, oh, I was inspired by a nine minute spoken word improvised track. Like that's it's the spirit of it, not the actual sound. So it was completely different sound. And yeah, I love like the opening song is just amazing. Like to start it with a soft piano and then launch into something completely different. At the ending, I was a little concerned because I was listening to that second last song. I was like, oh, if this isn't your last song, you've got to really nail something to to come back for. And she did. It was like, yeah, this was worth having an extra song on the end where you probably didn't need it. And I thought of you, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. he's got this last track yeah. thing. Liam's got yeah. the last, got track, the last man. track, man. But it, yeah, it's, I, I needed it to be worth coming back if there's a song just before it that could be the last song. I was like, all right, what else did you need to come back for? But this was totally worth it. So for me, I thought it was flawless as well. Oh, I thought it was, oh, thought it was really great. And Jeez. yeah, Can you just give me like five, nine minutes <laughs> to like listen back and like play back into my head? Sadly, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll... I would have said sworn George is like a shoe in for this one. But I know. Okay. It's, uh, maybe it's because I am too immersed in that scene. And what? Well, it doesn't matter. Look, it was risky bringing an album with two It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, it is huge. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't know if we've got had another one that's had two significantly uh, tracks that long on Uh, the same. I think Titus Andronicus has two. Like the last one is fifteen. I think one in the middle might go for eight or nine Mm. or so. Was it? But yeah, it's very rare. Yeah. Out of 80. uh, Yeah. So we couldn't quite get there, but thank you very much for Bianca for nominating. It was great having you on. Uh, we want to thank everybody for listening. We are on all the social medias. We are Flawless AMP on Flawless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So you can check us out there and be part of the conversation. And of course, we're also on Patreon. So check us out there and join us for the Clubhouse chat because we'd love to have a few more people come in and chat to us about their favorite music. Other than that, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Yeah.